Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 91 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is someone who I'm convinced is about to become a big star and, quite possibly, a Best Actress Oscar nominee, Ruth Nega. The diminutive, soft-spoken 34-year-old, Ethiopian-born Irish actress has been the toast of the town ever since May, when people first saw her performance in Jeff Nichols' Loving at Cannes. In it, She plays Mildred Loving, one half of the couple who were the plaintiffs in the landmark 1967 Supreme Court case on interracial marriage, Loving versus Virginia. But, in fact, Nega is no overnight sensation. She's been hard at work for over a decade, having first established herself in the theater and then on film as the pregnant girlfriend of an IRA terrorist in Neil Jordan's 2005 drama Breakfast on Pluto. She went on to distinguish herself in a number of TV movies, especially the 2011 BBC production Shirley, in which she played Dame Shirley Bassey, and on a number of TV series, particularly as the gun-toting ex of a small-town preacher on AMC's Preacher, which has been on the air since May. Over the course of our conversation, we talk about a wide range of topics, including what it was like growing up as a biracial woman and why it's important to her to tell stories of similar people what it was like finding out that she had been cast in Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave and then learning that her scenes had been cut, how the 2012 Oscar shortlisted documentary The Loving Story played an instrumental role in her preparations for her Loving auditions, why it was so important that Loving was shot in Virginia, and what her experience was like shooting the intimate period piece drama with Joel Edgerton, the actor who plays Mildred's husband, Richard. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ruth, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. And to begin with, we always ask, where were you born and raised, and what did your folks do for a living? I was born in Ethiopia to an Ethiopian father and an Irish mother. So I was raised between Ethiopia, Ireland, and London. And was acting something that you were interested in even as a kid, or when did that sort of emerge? Yeah, no, definitely since I was a kid. I think I was quite an excitable child. I loved to play and <laughs> storytelling. And I think Ireland has got, is, you know, a very rich cultural history of storytelling. I think it's, you know, very much in our blood, and it's something that is sort of championed and, and, and respected and admired. And I love storytelling, and I think I wanted to be a part of that. And I think it was watching sort of performances, whether it be like musicians or films, and thinking, oh, that looks fantastic. <laughs> so you're when in, in school, I imagine you probably got into it a bit. When along the line did that start? No, I, I auditioned for drama college Mm -hmm. and got in to the Samuel Beckett Centre, Trinity College Dublin, Mm -hmm. and I did my three years. And then I started off in theatre. And did you imagine coming out of college that screen acting would be a part of your future, or were you just (gasps) picturing theatre? We'd done very little. See, when I, I I mean, I'm sure it's different now, but I'm... We did very little sort of um, screen acting prep or training. So it was all geared towards theatre, really. So that's where I had my sort of gaze Mm -hmm. in the direction Mm -hmm. of... Yeah, and I was lucky enough to get a job straight out of college at the Abbey Theatre Dublin. It sort of went from there. I mean, I've never really had a a plan. It's just... I think think it's it's hard as as a jobbing actor to to plan for anything, really. I think you've just got to sort of be sort of open to anything and be ready for anything. So it was going very well. I know by you got nominated for the Olivier Theatre Award, Most Promising Newcomer of 2003. Was that the year that Neil Jordan first saw you? I know there was, didn't he discover you in, in a theatrical production? I No, I think I just came in to read for the part of Charlie in Breakfast and Pluto and himself and Pat McCabe, who wrote the book, and many other fine ones were in there, and uh, and you know I auditioned for them, and we had a chat, and and I found out I got the part. I mean, so yeah, I'm forever grateful. Because they even, I mean, I believe he was impressed enough that they expanded the part, right? Because it was not necessarily on the page what it ended up being, right? Gosh, I can't remember now. <laughs> it's it's already a few years. But... Ten years ago, it was here. There was that tiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if that's where I saw it. I think that was my, I, this is my 10th tiff. It's a beautiful film. It's one of my favorites. I yeah. Love, I absolutely adore it. And how much did that change things that followed? Because it, it was a major film. He's a major director. Yeah, definitely. Enjoy. I don't know how much things immediately have an impact. I think it's very hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, usually, I don't know. I think there's kind of, it's a whole kind of, it's a recipe of, of, of things that contribute to, how you get your next job or where or, like, what direction your your career takes. I don't really think about it too much, to be honest. But in that case, you didn't feel like all of a sudden you were getting a different caliber of opportunity or things like that? I find it kind of strange to sort of to think of jobs like that mm-hmm. because I never have. I've never sort of been thought of my career. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. I'm 
doing the next job. Go along, yeah. So I believe that some of your best parts, maybe you've, I don't know if you would agree with this, but over the years have come on TV and on TV movies, TV series. And I just wonder if you can talk about that and how you felt about just, you know, which were some of the ones that stood out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, in terms of character and quality, I don't really see a distinction between mediums. I think there's this, this, there was this idea while ago that it was, uh, don't touch TV. Yeah, <laughs> That's obviously used to changed. Be. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I know I was I never felt snobby about that at all. And yeah, I'm very grateful for the characters that sure. I've been afforded um, on TV. I think one that I've got to ask you about is playing Shirley Bassey on yeah. BBC. Yeah, oh, I loved that. 2011. This one was a, a very well received, right? Yeah, I mean it was such a great opportunity, and you know Shirley's a fabulous. Shirley Bassey's character, I mean, she's just a fabulous human and, 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 and woman and, and her story, sort of her trajectory, her rise to fame was quite extraordinary. Did you get to spend some time with her? I didn't, no. No? It's not always necessary, no, 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 I no. think. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't, I'd, I think we got her approval, but I don't think I wouldn't want to right. hound people for like, oh, how do you drink your tea? But, you know? <laughs> but, but she was another character obviously you couldn't have known at that point what what would come with loving but here's somebody else who I guess because of her race had to deal with quite a bit of bs right overcome quite a bit yeah and I think she resented that Mm -hmm. very much so quite vocally yeah so in terms of films I've just been looking back over your filmography and I, I came across a thing that you were initially gonna be in 12 years a slave but that did not end up happening. You said it was kind of disappointing. God, that's, that's an understatement. <laughs> um, what happened? Ask uh, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what. So, Francine Mazer, wonderful casting director, sent me the sides for a character called Celeste, two features in the book. And I put myself on tape. I thought it was the most beautiful sort of strangely ethereal sort of few scenes and I put myself on tape and then I eventually met Steve and got the part, flew to New Orleans, gone in the swamp <laughs> over a course of three nights. Right. And I didn't realise that they couldn't drain the swamp of oh. crocodiles and moccasins, oh. which I stupidly thought that was possible. I don't know oh. where I got that idea from. Yeah. So that was that was quite terrifying, but it was such a beautiful kind of filming experience and it was quite magical and I think everyone knew that they were making something quite special and life-changing and revolutionary almost mm-hmm. yeah I think a few months later and ever this and I knew I knew this film would be huge and it would resonate with so many people and you know for so many different reasons and um and a few months later I got a call from Steve who I knew I knew I knew I knew the phone started ringing this. I mean, I just knew. Anyway, and uh, but he very, in a very lovely way, mm-hmm. let me down gently. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have done large scale films, World War Z, things like that, and others that are obviously quite intimate. Do you find that you feel more at home in one or the other? Or I know you're saying it's the part, or you don't think about the medium especially, but I mean, it's. It's got to be a different experience. I think it very much depends on the community 
who's you know taking part in the film like cat other cast and crew i mean i'm not going to lie i mean it's a completely different experience working on a jeff nichols film because you feel it's much more intimate and sort of i suppose you just feel slightly more you've got more time and then which is ironic because you actually have less time. Yeah, the money is being counted, yeah. yeah. But um, it's funny, really, because I find it... I, find, I don't really sit at home and think about my career in terms of how I've got somewhere and how I'm going to get anywhere. You really just have to kind of try and lobby for the parts that you think might be out there or know that are out there and and also kind of feel free to say no and... And, and and if, you know, I think that sometimes there can be this hysteria, it's like, oh, better take this part because this will lead to this and this will lead to that. And I think it, I think it's always slightly dangerous to take a part simply because you think it might be a stepping stone because also you don't want to be miserable, do you? <laughs> I would guess not. So what was going on in your life when you first heard about loving and was it something that you immediately knew you wanted to do or was it, was it a thought process? Yes, I'd seen Nancy Bersky's documentary and it's beautiful, fascinating, and made with such love and appreciation and admiration for this couple. And I could read, it's, it's quite potent and I could feel that from the way Nancy made that documentary and, and I fell in love with this couple and, and I knew Jeff was making this film and because Francine Maisler, who had cast me in 12 Years a Slave, very kindly, you know, sent them my name and organised for me to have an audition. And that's how I met Jeff. So when you had your first audition, had had you seen a full script or you just knew? No, that, i just seen very sides. Yeah. And what was the audition process like? Well, I'd, I'd spent, I'd learned it. I'd learned the sides, obviously. <laughs> I'd, I'd, spent, I'd spent a lot of time, like, uh, sort of squirrelled away, you know, just... Watching the documentary and sort of just sitting with Mildred and this, you know, Jeff's Jeff's language, and I decided quite early on that I would, I needed to, sort of convince Jeff and Sarah Green, his producer, that I had the right timbre, sort of energy, spirit, to play Mildred, and and usually I get quite embarrassed about going into auditions in 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 person. In fact, I get quite embarrassed with just going to auditions, so I tend to put myself on tape and send them right. off. But I knew that I had to sort of make an impact almost immediately. And so I did I did sort of, I opened the door and entered the space sort of in the spirit of her, really. How do you do that? By dressing as the... In... No, the spirit, like yeah. inhabiting sort of the spirit of, of her, you know. And this is with a was Francine there as well yeah. so she knew this was not the same person like I think I think perhaps but I think the, the great thing is is that the great thing about great cast and directors is that you feel championed by them and that you can feel that energy willing you to do well and that's really important because you know people forget that <laughs> actors thrive off energies <laughs> so it's really it's really lovely when you have sort of energies in the room willing you to be good to be great to yeah be, to be good. and it was just that one day and then you found out or there were a few different meetings of, about you know no, audition? i think i think i met jeff a year later and that's when i he said film fully financed wow and then and then it was a year later that we filmed 
somebody so two years after the beginning yes. of this all what were those two years like you knew there's this great part but it hadn't actually happened yet and you've seen what can happen yeah 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 i mean that we met myself and joe talking about that that fear that you think please 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 don't collapse because you know in many ways i wanted this film to be made because i want i think it's important for mildred and richard's story to be told full stop but gosh i'd be ever so nice if i could play her (laughs) 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 so yeah it's kind of Mm nerve-wracking but look that's what that's that's what it is. It is so what it is. you mentioned Joel. This is Joel Edgerton who plays Richard Loving. Yeah. And how early on did you two first meet? Because I wondered, right. I was thinking even were there sometimes they talk about, you know, chemistry, chemistry tests. tests or things like that. No, we actually met for lunch about a year after. And see, Jeff had talked to Joel about playing this part while they were doing Midnight Special together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was, he cast us quite separately. And I went for lunch. And then I think a month, six weeks before we started filming, we spent two weeks in Virginia together with Jeff and some of his team, sort of exploring Virginia, mm-hmm. like just hanging out really and like, you know, doing costume designs, um, fishings and, you know, hair tests, and makeup tests and kind of, you know, starting the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that we discovered that we have kind of the same sort of energies in terms of sort of how we work. It's very collaborative sort of style, you know. You know, I, I definitely think that, like, Joel puts it so beautifully, he said if some, it felt like we were both sort of carrying this, like, really sort of valuable, like, ancient vase, like, really special piece of history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were carrying it together and we both couldn't drop it so we we would you know everything we were doing was sort of together and I very much felt that like I don't think that my creation of Mildred is very much his creation of Mildred too They're in many ways on each other yeah yeah it's totally symbiotic so just to go back for one second to the audition do you recall which scenes you did because I'm wondering now having seen the film which were... I do, 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 don't I? I remember one of them, I think it's one of them was when, um, oh, when they have, they've moved to Washington and Garnet, Mildred's sister, comes up and poor Mildred is so melancholy and maudlin because she's desperately homesick for her family and, and, and Virginia and the actual earth of, of her homestead our homestead. Mm-hmm. And she looks at her children playing inside and she says, I feel sorry for them because they've, they've got no space, you know, and then there's no green. And, and you really, and I thought it was so, so beautiful because that's, it was, it was, you could feel the yearning in Jeff's writing. Mm-hmm. He translated so well. Was another one of them perhaps... We may lose the small battles, but win the big it war. Was indeed, yeah. Yes, that. What can you for people who haven't yet seen the film? Can you give a little tease of what that's about? I can't remember if she's actually in the documentary, talking to Gravelay or the documentarians. But she's been asked about. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. Really. She's been asked, like you know, do you think that you'll? She's this. The question is essentially, do you think you'll win against you know the might of the American government? And instead of sort of breaking down in despair, she. She has this beautifully hopeful sort of lovely sort of beatific smile on her face. It's it's not cheeky or flirty, but it's just beatific. And 
And she's folding the kids' clothes or something, and she says, you know what? We may lose the small battles, but win the big war. And I think that sums Mildred up completely. It's that kind of um, a refusal to be cowed, a refusal to be dissuaded from following through because it's her uh, her right mm -hmm. to seek justice. Yeah. Now, the shoot itself, once that got underway, it wasn't in Virginia, yeah. was it? It was. On location, yeah. Wow. Which was extraordinary and it was necessary because it's part, it's a huge, like, I know people say this all the time, it's another character in the film. Mm -hmm. It actually is. Yeah. It was vital to Richard and Mildred's sort of identity, where they grew up, where they were born and raised. And when they, it's very palpable in the film, like, when they go to Washington, like, you can see that, like, Mildred was sort of starved of oxygen almost by living in a city, a big unknown scary city and that part of her sort of need to sort of fight this and take this all the way to the supreme court was was to just to be allowed home yeah and when you know you visit virginia it's really beautiful and it's it's an extraordinary place and there's this one scene where she gets out of the car when they've come back usually eagerly <laughs> and you can just see relief flood her and you can see she you can see her brighten and and, and her spirits lift immediately. Now, Jeff is someone who, prior to this film, had never done one that was based on real events. Was your sense that he was right at home doing this sort of a film, or was it for him also a little trepidatious in any way? No, not that I know. Yeah. I think that, I think that weirdly enough, Jeff has this sort of similar sort of quiet confidence as Mildred. <laughs> No, and it's a very, Jeff has a very relaxed manner of shooting, but it's not, it's, but it's, it's super attentive because he knows exactly what he wants. And not many takes, right? No, not at all. And then that, that kind of confidence is sort of infectious and super reassuring. And, you know, I trusted him. And, and what the lovely thing is, is that it was quite obvious that he trusted Joel and I. Mm -hmm. and that's lovely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, fellow collaborators in, in many ways. Was there one scene that you were maybe least looking forward to just because you, you knew it would be a particular challenge? Not specifically. I think that the, the, the jail scenes and, and, and the scene where uh, they're sort of brutally awakened in the night, that, that was quite traumatic because, mm -hmm. you know, you're acting, you're acting in the scene and you know that this happened, basically how it happened. And I found them... I find those kind of uh, instances of dehumanization really sort of s offensive and sad and angry making and was, that, they were tough mm -hmm. to, to know that to know that Mildred went and many others went through things like that. Mm -hmm. So after how many days of a shoot was it? Do Can't you know? remember. Can't no. remember, but like not months, right? This is an independent. No, God. So no, a few no. weeks. Yeah, four or five, five. So after all this, you now, when was the first time that you saw the film? Can. It was at Cannes. At the premiere, yeah, yeah. What was that like? Extraordinary. Because this was a tremendously well-received unveiling yeah. of the movie. What yeah. are you going to remember the most about that night? Not bringing enough tissues, Kleenex <laughs> in with me. Because <laughs> you were able to, even though you had been there for the making of it, it was affected you a lot? 
Yeah, because I wasn't like crying at my performance. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I wasn't getting right. wonderful, wonderful right. movie roots. <laughs> because, I, you know, it doesn't, I don't even look like me. I look like Bildred, you know. So it's like, yeah, it's this couple. And it was very moving because Joel was sitting to one side of me and Jeff with Missy, his wife, to the other side. And just felt very proud of one another, but this, this couple that we felt really privileged to bring their story to this amazing screen on the Quasette. People there, and now a lot more people are going to be seeing it. What is it that you hope they leave it thinking or doing differently? I think it inspires kindness. I think what's striking about these two people is not just their sort of beautiful, sort of palpable energy and love they have for each other and between each other. Is that they're, they're sort of, um, they're this lovely sort of, sense of goodness about them. Could they have had a more perfect last name? I mean, that's yeah. the other thing, so... I know, it's almost <laughs> fated, isn't it? Right. And it's like, yeah, and they're, they're just a beguiling, a beguiling couple, and I think that Jeff's made a beguiling film, and I think mm-hmm. that... I think people, you know, people will be deeply moved by them. For many people, this will be a film that they discover you through, and I wonder, you know, as they will, what else they will be able to see you. And I know maybe you can tell a little bit about Preacher. Did that come as a result of somebody seeing Loving or that happened to just roughly coincide? No, I don't think so. Nothing. So so there, that's a very different person. Is there other things that you're very excited about coming up for, for you? Preacher and Loving. Yeah, those are, you got to just get through the, a little bit of that. And how about just generally speaking, is there a sort of another character or a story or something that you're very passionate about wanting to tell? Mm, I really enjoy, I enjoy kind of playing sort of unexpected characters. I suppose giving voice to people that who aren't necessarily always portrayed in mainstream TV and cinema, like brown women. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty awesome. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a game plan. You know. I don't have like a. And also, I don't need to be working all the time. I'm not a prolific sort of worker. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I don't. I, I think I'd rather sort of put my energies into one thing at a time, and you know, and 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 I think that kind of. I think it's important, like to, if you're an artist in any capacity, to mm-hmm. sort of like keep filling yourself up and keep, you know, you go to an improv class mm-hmm. if you need to. Just to a painting class or just sit and stare at the sky for a couple of days, you know. Let your creative juices flow. I think that's all really important. That's part of it. That's part of keeping your sort of your kit bag topped up and your all your like sort of tools sharpened and everything, you know. Can you though allow yourself a little bit of opportunity to bask in the fact that this has been so well received? I know it hasn't opened for the general public yet but i mean you've seen it anybody that's seen it has had a lot of great things to say about it and you yeah no we're we're delighted yeah yeah it's it's thrilling i mean it's yeah it's thrilling (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you so much for your time appreciate it thank you so much with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 